um, it's been incredibly important for us to connect the dots for people between what is happening in a place like Rwanda or in Central America and what's happening in our own backyard. And that the call to mission is uh, a collective response to God's call for the church in all time and all places uh, to participate with making his hope a reality um, in, in the midst, in our, in our midst, especially for those experiencing um, the greatest degree of vulnerabilities. Welcome to the Missions Pastor Podcast presented by One Child. One Child is a global community of child champions that serves children in poverty so they can discover hope and reach their God-given potential. We believe that the local church has the message of hope that the world desperately needs to hear. And in every episode, we highlight churches, pastors, and ministries who are working to bring that hope to hard places. I'm David Jesse. I'm your host for today's conversation with Nathan Nelson. Nathan is the pastor of Mission and Outreach at Bethany Community Church in Seattle, Washington. One of Nathan's passions is seeing the church move from individual missions, programs, and efforts toward integrated ministry that increases effectiveness for everyone involved. I asked Nathan to explain what this means to him and why it's so important. Yeah, absolutely. So when I started as a mission pastor here at Bethany Community Church, we had really robust programming, uh, really seeking to embody best practices in the work that we did globally. Uh, the woman uh, that I inherited the mission framework and department from uh, before me is a dear mentor of mine, and she did a lot to systematize our mission work and move us towards a model of partnership where we would partner with organizations over a long period of time, 10 plus years, um, going really deep in the work of transformational development um, in unique regions of the globe. And so um, that is fantastic work that has only continued. Um, with that in mind, um, our expression of that same level of intentionality in the work that we do locally um, was not so robust. And it was my hope to see not only the work that we do globally continue to flourish and be, um, you know, state-of-the-art, but that it would directly inspire the ways in which we're responding to God's call to participate in mission as a church in our local context. And so for us, we are a, a multi-location church, meaning we have one church in six unique locations throughout the greater Seattle area out here in the Pacific Northwest. And so um, our kind of largest, longest standing location, Bethany Green Lake, grew to a point where we had nowhere else to put anyone. And so we invited people to stop coming and to go to church in their neighborhoods where they were commuting in from. And there began a process of what has now become our, our sixth location church. And so that's uniquely, um, was a vision uniquely founded uh, around kind of a mission to the neighborhood, meaning um, unique local, contextual, relational ministry sites, um, participating with what God is doing in, in those uh, neighborhoods where people were coming from. Well, with that in mind, um, our work globally felt disconnected from some of what we were experiencing locally. And so the hope was to discern as a collective, but particularly each of our six unique locations, what is God doing in the neighborhood? Where are their needs? What kind of vulnerabilities are we facing? 
And how can we respond, um, not just with one-off programming, um, not just with a sock drive or a food bank here or there, that kind of thing, but really with the same level of intentionality that we pursue our global mission, looking for quality organizations we can go long and deep with and having a sustained impact in our neighborhoods. So that's what led to what we call now, not just our global partners program, but our local partners program. And uh, in my tenure here at the church, we've been able to scale those partnerships. We have three globally, and um, we've gone from about one, one and a half when I started to now six plus um, local partners um, that we're engaged in in kind of four unique demographics um, from refugees and vulnerable immigrants to folks experiencing homelessness, um, folks in the foster and adoption um, system, and uh, then uh, kind of what we categorize as um, uh, uh, school partnerships and other kind of um, under-resourced communities um, within the larger city. So all of that to say, um, it's been incredibly important for us to connect the dots for people between what is happening in a place like Rwanda or in mm -hmm. Central America and what's happening in our own backyard. And that the call to mission is uh, a collective response to God's call for the church in all time and all places uh, to participate with making his hope a reality um, in, in the midst, in our, in our midst, especially for those experiencing um, the greatest degree of vulnerability. So um, my task as a mission pastor has been to connect those dots for people. Um, and, and that's kind of what I would put under this umbrella of integration, that the work we do globally can, in fact, directly inspire the way that we approach orphans and vulnerable children in our city through cutting-edge foster and adoption ministries and partners with local organizations, that uh, the kind of conditions we're seeking to prevent in our international work, things like um, extreme poverty, what have you, um, is directly related to issues of migration um, and, and why people are fleeing these places and wind up on our doorsteps. And so we have a robust ministry to refugees and vulnerable immigrants in our city. And so as we're able to connect the dots for people that we as a church are seeking to prevent the condition that causes people to flee in the first place, and we recognize that's not going to happen overnight. So for everyone that does have to flee, we too can provide hospitality to those that end up in our backyard. So that's just a little bit about kind of this notion of integration and why it's been important to us. How have you seen these efforts at integration and helping people see that they're not either or they're both and and they're actually this the, the the issues are connected they're they're interrelated um with that they're integrated like you said how have you seen people within your local church um context ch ch change the way that they view missions and um local work um how has that how has that changed as a result of these integrations yeah terrific question we uh, i can tell uh, one story that i think illustrates many more and that is um we have at our church on site what we call our guest house ministry 
And the guest house is essentially the basement of our chapel building um, with some mattresses on the ground um, where folks who have been released from detention to seek asylum um, come and stay. And they stay in their sort of transition period between getting released from detention and what their next step is going to be along the journey. So these are folks that are literally from all over the world, and they'll spend one to three nights at a time um, in our chapel basement. And that's all staffed by volunteers and, and the like. Well, the awareness that we have a detention center at all uh, <laughs> near our city um, came from uh, the work that we do globally. And learning through our partners in Central America, for example, and Eastern Africa, that, yeah, people were fleeing all the time. They had to flee because of corrupt government, because of lack of resources, because of climate change, um, different kinds of things. And uh, along the journey, um, oftentimes end up at the border of the United States and Mexico. And from there, many of those folks will be detained for a period until their case for asylum or something else is heard. And so... Um, as we became aware of this phenomenon, as we became aware of the reality that there is this place called the detention center, um, not far from Seattle, it was our hope to just kind of step into that and provide hospitality for the stranger, um, as scripture calls us to do. And so that's where the guest house ministry came from. Well, we have volunteers in that ministry who've never been on a mission trip internationally. Uh, many people volunteer in that ministry who, who would never, it, it wouldn't even cross their mind to do something like that. But they said, you know what? I can go stay the night in a shelter type of thing. Uh, I can prepare food for people or I have a curiosity about issues of immigration or whatever it may be. So I, I want to know more and they'll volunteer. We had one gentleman who volunteered for that, uh, and it was at a time when there were many Nicaraguans coming from Central America into the United States. Um, this is still happening today. And so he got to know some folks, and it piqued his curiosity even more for some of the situations that were happening. And so what he uh, ended up doing is going on, on one of our global trips. We call them strategic visits to our global partners, um, and took this uh, trip to Nicaragua where he uh, got to see the conditions of people in the country, some of the work that our partner there is doing to create a better sense of community and, and well-being there. And so this, this person, if you will, has experienced the local, they've experienced the global, and themselves, their whole worldview, their whole understanding of what the church can do in the midst of all that has just been blown up and changed in the best kind of way. What are some specific, you know, you mentioned this detention center um, and how that connected to becoming this guest house um, there at your chapel and how that has, has worked together. What are some other examples of those types of connections that have happened between the global and the local and how you are using those integrations to teach and to expose people? What are some other examples of that? Yeah, this is uh, some of the work that I'm most excited about. Um, I was fortunate to inherit a partnership, uh, one of our first global partnerships, in this new kind of model for us as a church, uh, between World Relief in Rwanda and our church here in Seattle. And uh, since uh, it started, we've been working together now for more than a dozen years. And uh, we've seen the partnership go from uh, networking about 10 local churches in Rwanda to be the source of um, 
community development and uh, the restoration of their communities to now a network of over 150 local churches that directly impacts over 150,000 people. Wow. Uh, really, really amazing stuff. And in the course of that time, um, this notion of what World Relief calls church empowerment zones really piqued my curiosity. Um, we saw that World Relief has a belief that local churches can, in fact, work together. And when they do that, they can have kingdom impact. And so that's what they do. They do it in Rwanda and all the different countries around the world where they serve. Well, you can only support something like a church empowerment zone in Rwanda so long before you start to go. It almost feels hypocritical that we aren't ourselves part of something like that. Now, don't get me wrong. Bethany has been a part of many different iterations of churches trying to come around issues in our city, whether it's homelessness or foster care or local public schools, you know, whatever it is. But I can tell you, in my experience, churches working together on an issue like this um, generally has uh, an expiration date on it. Uh, the first thing that's hard the first thing, time you encounter something that, you know, for whatever reason ought to take precedence. And so um, with that in mind, I said, you know what? Let's, let's try this again. Let's try to unite, like, like, like the work we were supporting in Rwanda, unite local churches along, right in our area of one of our locations um, along what we call the Aurora Corridor, which is the uh, kind of ancient north-south highway in Seattle before the I-5 was constructed. Mm -hmm. And this is home to some of the largest amounts of sex and drug trafficking in all of the United States. Um, there's a great deal of uh, kind of extreme poverty in this region of our city. And our church is situated um, one block from Aurora and another block from Green Lake Park, which is one of the greatest areas of wealth in the city. Mm. It's a point of convergence. It's a tourist destination for, for people. Um, so it's a very interesting place geographically. Well, along Aurora, there's all kinds of churches and, and churches that have community meals or food banks or different kinds of ministries that individually serve the community. Mm. We've tried to work together. We've done some things. But beyond kind of a prayer walk, you know, that nothing had happened. So I said, all right, what, what are the barriers? And many of the barriers uh, are what World Relief really helped identify in a place like Rwanda and suggest it could be true for us as well. And, and, and the reality is it, it was true. Um, barriers around theology, um, barriers around um, priorities, um, these kinds of things. And, and, and so I kind of asked the question a little bit. Um, maybe boldly, um, could we find common ground for the well-being of the most vulnerable in our community? Everything else aside. So we started a process of going to the different churches on, on the street, myself and another lay leader from our church, and we just asked for meetings. And we did a lot of apologizing for being the big church in town um, that maybe didn't do all the right things at the right times. And we also heard a lot about ho hopes that people have for impact, the same kind of hopes that we had. Mm -hmm. So there began um, our own church empowerment zone. 
we call it the North Aurora Church Empowerment Zone um, here in Seattle. And it's a network of a handful of local churches of varying sizes and, of, and denominations that uh, gather around a, part, a common partner called the Aurora Commons um, that is kind of a living room space for folks experiencing homelessness. And together, what we do uh, is we uh, lean into the commons as an expert and then ask if there's ways they would equip us to come alongside folks experiencing homelessness. And since that time, um, we've done a lot together. Um, It's been truly uh, amazing. Everything from... um, Ironically, the Aurora Commons was at risk of being displaced and homeless itself, so to speak. And so we raised over a million dollars in 50 days um, to uh, buy what is now their building. Um, and it's going to you know, provide a lot of opportunity for expansion of their ministry. Um, we, to this day, have been preparing food for folks in our commercial kitchen at the church, uh, all different volunteers from all these churches um, to come and, and it gets served at the commons. Um, just a lot of different things, really trying to what we call awaken compassion for the unhoused um, uh, in our North Aurora community, rather than the kind of judgment um, that uh, is kind of the predominant narrative in the community. So um, for us, COVID was a catalyst for this kind of work. Um, the work that we do in Rwanda was a catalyst for this kind of work. And um, the great need that COVID presented, uh, the inspiration that we got from our brothers and sisters uniting churches in Rwanda um, helped us to do this thing. And it's, I think, some of the best work that we've done in mission in the city. So I'd be remiss to not thank our Rwandese brothers and sisters for paving the way in that regard. It's a trap churches fall into all the time when we believe that we have a monopoly on wisdom and insight uh, just because we're in a financially stronger situation than those in other countries. What Nathan and Bethany community are remembering is that the same Holy Spirit in us is in these churches on the other side of the world, and they have as much to offer us as we do them, maybe even more. Uh, We'll get back to our conversation with Nathan after this brief message from One Child. Together we believe extreme child poverty has an end. And it starts with hope. Hope is a vision for a better future. A way to get there and the courage to try And it is built through the church all over the world, coming together as one global community to help children thrive. We create a partnership experience that reflects your heart for the world. Together, we find the point where our mission and vision intersect to address the needs of children living in hard places. Together, we are a community that sees children as solutions, not problems. A community with the courage to go to the hard places. A community that gives so children can thrive. Together, this is us. Your church, a shared vision, celebrating global impact through the local church. For more information, visit onechild.org partnership.
Earlier in our conversation, Nathan shared the story of someone who was impacted by their missions integration in Nicaragua. Uh, so I asked him if he could share any other stories that demonstrate how this focus has shaped Bethany's missions work and its members. So we have a lay leader here at the church. I'm going to name her by name because she deserves it. Her name is Melissa Gossiets, <laughs> and she is... She came to me early on. She's the dream lay leader. She said, Nathan, I want to volunteer full time uh, in this and I don't want you to pay me a dime and I want to I want to do something meaningful in missions. So I don't know about you as a mission pastor listening, but for myself, that was both exciting and incredibly burdensome. <laughs> like, do not screw this up, right? <laughs> so uh, Melissa uh, uh, has been just a right-hand person for me all throughout. And one of the things that we did early on was seek to get our refugee and immigrant ministry off the ground. And we did that in partnership with World Relief. Like we partner with them in Rwanda, we partner with them here in Seattle. Um, and she was super involved in that. She helped create a program we call our Good Neighbor Team program that essentially equip, gives the work of local refugee resettlement agencies back to the church. Um, and, you know, following World War II, when the huge influx of refugee and immigrants came to the United States to begin with, um, the church stepped up and just started doing that work. And over the course of time, that work has become professionalized and we have agencies that do it. And the church has sort of faded to the background. So what we've done through this program is put the church back in the mix and say, you as a church can train a group of volunteers to resettle refugees as they come to your city. So we do it. Um, and our partners help equip Quick folks to do that. So Melissa has been amazing foundational in that happening, led countless teams. We've resettled refugee families from Iraq and Afghanistan and um, uh, East Africa, all different parts of the world. Well, in the course of that, um, Melissa had a passion for global and uh, she was able to sort of experience that through the work with refugees and immigrants coming from global context into our local context as she is a family person herself and has kids to raise. So it wasn't always realistic to travel with us to some of our global partners. Well, um, she became uh, even more aware of these acute needs that we have along Aurora Avenue of folks experiencing homelessness, particularly women um, experiencing commercial sexual exploitation. Um, and mm -hmm. so it was her desire to see um, this this notion of, of churches stepping into a gap that social service agencies, government agencies can't in that space specifically. So um, Melissa became kind of like our little missionary within the church. And she started getting the women's Bible study to do kind of some things. She started uh, getting our mops group to do some things. Um, we have, you know, uh, drives that happen around the holidays and, and whatnot and sort of working all these different puzzle pieces together to give people who are already involved in a lot of different kind of stuff within the church, good things, giving them the opportunity to express a missional identity of uh, within that ministry. And so um, Melissa was uh, one of the key people that went with me and had sort of those reconciliatory conversations along Aurora early on as we started this church empowerment zone here in Seattle. And since that time, we've crafted new kinds of programs, care communities and other things like it, um, excuse me, circles of care uh, that come around folks um, experiencing homelessness that uh, have to, you know, go to the hospital for a week and have no one to come visit them 
Um, maybe they are getting housing and they're going to make what many perceived to be a really positive transition, um, but often is the most stressful transition up to that point in their life. And that can re-trigger things like addiction or other kinds of, of, of challenges they faced up to that time. So um, we as uh, local churches will step into those spaces, we'll help furnish new apartments, we'll uh, provide cooking instruction and classes and you know all kinds of different things to try to engage with folks uh, at those different phases of their life. So uh, Melissa is just another example of something Somebody who's who's taken uh, a kind of an emphasis on global cultures from around the world. How can I engage in these spaces? And then found a very very local application mm-hmm. um, for it. That's awesome. So you know you've mentioned big things that have happened um, in these programs. You know what, what what's happening in Rwanda with these massive amount of churches that are coming together in these in these communities, and how that's happening now in Seattle. And you mentioned the the Nicaraguan work um, and how it's turned into uh, work in 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 Seattle. You've got the chapel with the the guest house and everything else. So these are really big things. And if I'm a missions pastor of a smaller church um, and I'm trying to figure out, man, I really love this idea of integrating global global and local together but um, I, I I don't even know where I would start what advice would you give that missions pastor yeah that's such a fantastic question first I would say foundationally mission is never anything more or anything less than the invitation from Christ himself to come alongside what God is doing in the world and so our participation with what Christ is doing in the world, uh, restoring uh, broken places to shalom, is something anyone can do in any shape, size, context. With that in mind, I think uh, you as a mission pastor uh, have a real heart for uh, the most vulnerable in your midst, whether that be in your neighborhood, um, in your city, in your region, or if you were to expand that out into a unique part around the globe. And, um, you know, in a city like Seattle, there, whether you're a big or a small church, there's no shortage of need. Um, if you are in a rural setting um, with a low population, there is no shortage of need. And so the question becomes, of the many needs, of the many vulnerabilities, what is God doing? And how are you, your unique expression of the body of Christ, called to participate in that? Not solve it all. Um, not even necessarily address 10 of the 20 most important needs. But what is the one, what is one thing for sure? Maybe a couple others, but one thing for sure that, that, that you see a heartbeat within your congregation around that people seem to keep bringing up? Um, uh, are you, are you having to ask people to, to, to move on who spent the night on your doorstep before you walk into your office? You know, who are you literally running into on the way to work? Uh, what vulnerabilities are right there for you to see? Um, and respond to that. Um, to me, uh, I think you can't look into something like homelessness and not get a better sense of the um, profound, uh, broken nature of consumerism and individualism in America. Uh, you cannot get involved with refugees in your community and not see the direct connection to things like environmental degradation, um, 
wars around the world, um, corruption around the world. And so it doesn't matter what it is. As soon as you tap into a thing, it's going to unlock this web of connection to what God is doing in the midst of all of it, but certainly areas of brokenness and vulnerability that, that expand far beyond your hyper-local context. So in that way, I would say there's an opportunity for all of us to participate with what God is doing in the world. And if, we, if we're given eyes to see, if we pray for eyes to see, um, it's going to always invite us into a bigger story. So if you can, as the mission pastor, paint the story of the bigger picture of what God is doing, it's going to help wake people up to why they ought to participate a heck of a lot more than if you say, you know, donate socks. We can do more than there's a bigger story. There's a lot to unpack uh, in this episode. It might be a good idea to go back, listen to it a second time. But here are three things that really stood out to me. First, the issue of poverty is complex and it doesn't have simple solutions. And rather than expecting quick fixes and programmatic responses, we need patience to make lasting improvement over time. Second, the issues people face on the other side of the world are the same issues that we face in our own communities. Having a strategy that takes this into account will result in a more healthy, integrated ministry. And finally, take a step back, look at your global partners to see what they're doing well, and then find ways to learn from them. There is so much wisdom around us if we're open to it. to thank Nathan for joining me on this episode of the Missions Pastor Podcast. Nathan uh, contributed a chapter to a great book on missions entitled Reimagining Short-Term Missions. His chapter goes into greater depth on the topics that we discussed today. You'll want to check that out. And then to learn more about Bethany Community Church, go to churchbcc.org. And thank you for listening to the Missions Pastor Podcast. This show was presented by One Child. We are a global community of child champions that serves children in poverty so they can discover hope and reach their God-given potential. To learn more about how your church can partner with One Child to bring hope to hard places, go to onechild.org slash partnership. Mm-hmm.